0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I feel so fortunate every day that I'm in this studio that I get to say that, that we connect you with the right people, we help build businesses, and today is no different. We have co-founder of Mentum, my new friend, Tom Healy. Welcome to the studio. Glad to be here. I'm excited that you're here. We were at the CEO retreat for Arizona Technology Council up in Sedona three weeks ago? A couple
0: weeks ago, yeah.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been that long, and it wasn't any cooler, necessarily. No,
0: the the, the intention was you drive two hours north so that it's cooler, and it was felt hotter and more humid. It, it was, I was glad to get back to the yeah, Valley. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Although we did have a great time and was, we had a chance to connect at one of the, the socials. I think it was Mark Sutter yep. that introduced us. So shout out to Mark. We appreciate that introduction. And you are a member of the AZ Tech Council. I am. And I'm sure of the other professional organizations as well. So we'll have a chance to kind of dive in. But let's have you introduce yourself, Tom. Who are you as a business owner, a leader, an entrepreneur, author, and then, of course, the co-founder of this, I think it's fairly new, this yep. new platform called Mentum. So you've got an hour. I'm just going to sit back and listen.
0: Well, yeah, it's going to take an hour to get through all of it. <laughs> But I'll, I'll, I'll spare uh, you and the listeners the long version and give you the short version. I am a lifelong entrepreneur. So this is kind of all I've ever done. I started selling stuff on eBay when I was a teenager. It was completely illegal what I was doing. But I did it for a few years, and I got a cease and desist letter, and I stopped. I think I can talk about it now because it was long enough.
1: How can you? We, what were you doing? So that you're, now you're curious. I huh? am very curious. What, what okay. does eBay not allow?
0: Okay, so this is good. And I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit. Hey, but, not a but problem here. Yeah, you'll you'll un, you'll understand. I recorded every episode of Saved by the Bell.
1: Oh my okay? god.
0: Okay, every episode of Saved by the Bell on VHS tape. Okay, then I went through and I removed all of the commercials. <laughs> Then I put them all in order. So what I created was a boxed set of every episode of Saved by the Bell on VHS tape in chronological order. Illegal, but brilliant. Okay, then my grandfather would, when they were on sale, buy me in bulk VHS tapes. So I would make box sets of them. And then my mom would pay for the shipping. So it was the greatest business in the world because I was stealing someone else's content. I had no overhead. And that was it. And I sold these box sets for like a hundred bucks over and over again for a and few years. And Saved
1: by the Bell, come on! It was a great. Oh, so oh, I job. can't say that I really. Have so I'm watched. very
0: good at save by the Bell trivia because when when you, when you <laughs> actually had to do the double VCR recording thing, it's not like I had big equipment. They would always be playing. You have and to it live, would just go through the whole thing. Six hour tapes. I'd hit one and I'd go back and forth. Yeah. So that was it. And then I got a cease and desist. And I stopped. And I think it's been long enough. But that's what I did. And so I got this, you know, entrepreneurial bug. The other thing that happened when I was in high school is I did not have a great relationship with my father. However, I had two adult men that were mentors to me. They both owned their own business. And so I looked at them and I said, okay, well, they're really nice people. They're really good husbands, really good fathers. They've got these businesses. They have freedom and flexibility. Yeah. And so I want to be like them when I grow up. And so I just had in my mind that somehow, some way I'll figure out a way to be an entrepreneur. So, good. so that was always in my head. That's that's why." And then when I graduated college, I decided I was going to write a book for college students and start speaking on college campuses. And that was because I was heavily involved as a student leader. So I went to college and I was just kind of a normal person, wasn't that involved in high school, didn't really have a path per se, knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but... Um, had didn't really have any leadership experiences, and I got involved in a fraternity, and that led to a bunch of student leadership uh, you know, opportunities in different organizations, and I could feel myself growing and changing and gaining confidence. I was like, this is a tremendous, life-changing, trajectory-changing experience. How cool would it be to be one of those speakers that comes to campus? Because we had them all the time. Some were really good, some yeah. weren't that good, but the ones that were good, you connected with them, you resonated with them, you got value from them. And I figured that would be a cool thing to do. And my approach to that, the book I wrote, the the speaking that I was doing, it was not coming from a place of, oh, I'm really smart and I know it all and I'm going to tell you everything I do. It was simply saying, hey, there's a lot of things I wish I would have known when I was in your shoes. And there's things I did right. There's mistakes I made. But let me share those experiences with you. Let me do a assessment of thousands of people what they would do differently if they were in their 20s, what they learned from their 20s. So I aggregated all that data. And then I sprinkled in some stories of here's what Oprah did. Here's what Jeff Bezos did. Famous people that did something significant in their 20s that we could learn from. So all of that got me out on the speaking circuit and opened up a lot of opportunities for speaking and consulting, both in higher ed and then in with companies as well, because I had business leaders saying to me, okay, you're speaking to all these students and you kind of understand what makes them tick. And we're having a really hard time recruiting, developing, retaining younger people inside Mm -hmm. our organization. Can you help? And I said, yeah, sure. And I started getting involved in doing that as well. So I've really, for my entire professional career, I've been both working with companies and then in higher ed, and I'm still involved in both. I have a company called LaunchPoint, where we provide coursework to over 100 college campuses across the United States. And those are topics such as leadership development and diversity, equity and inclusion, mental health, sexual violence prevention, relevant topics where uh, campuses say, hey, we need to provide this either because we're required to or we'd like to. And so they use our our content to do that. And then All of that led me to, as I was scaling that online education company, to start working here locally with entrepreneurs. So that's kind of the other side of things. And that's where I met my business partner, Joe, randomly on a golf course about six years ago. And he was working with gritty entrepreneurs here locally, typically between about 25 to 250 employees. So the gritty, small to medium-sized business organization. So he was working with CEOs and, and founders one-on-one, putting them into groups. And I'm like, you know, I've been a part of groups like that here locally. Uh, I've spoken to groups like that. I would like to do that as well. So him and I formed a business partnership, and we started working with businesses here locally, um, working on strategy, putting them into groups, working with them one-on-one. And our intent pre-COVID was just to continue scaling that. We had two really nice groups. We wanted to get to six groups, and then boom, COVID hits. Right, right. So we ended up working with a lot of executive coaches during the early stages of COVID. And they were people that approached us saying, look, I'm, I'm a really good coach and I know how to coach and I've got these great experiences. However, I'm really struggling with the business side of coaching, meaning uh, how do I craft my personal brand? How do I market myself on LinkedIn? How do I coach people virtually? Do I put them into groups? Do I work with them one-on-one? How do I price this? Do I work deeply inside of one company or do I work with people at all different companies and a million other things? But what we realized is there wasn't a lot of great resources for people to grow the business side of their coaching practice. So we built a community of about 75 of them who we work with um, in a variety of capacities, marketing support, thought leadership, some coaching, putting them into their own groups. And in the course of interviewing over 1,200 executive coaches. From 1,200 to, to 75. Yes, to build that group, yeah. we learned a lot about that industry. And we learned one big thing was happening. And we are hearing this from our coaches, and we are hearing this also from the Businesses we were working with here locally. And that was some variation of hey, uh, the C suite, we're cool, meaning, hey, we've got great coaching, we've got uh, our strategy, we've got our EOS lined up. Uh, you know, we're doing all these things and we're super comfortable and confident and everything's good. However, we've got this really big challenge. And this challenge is we've got all these younger managers and supervisors and department heads that are new to leadership. And maybe don't have the training and the experience that I have as the owner of the company. And we're now at a size and scale of organization where I can't do all of that coaching and mentorship myself. Mm -hmm. So I need help. And we kept hearing that. And my partner and I just kind of nodded our heads and said, okay, good luck. That's not what we do. So hopefully (laughs) you find someone. And then our coaches started coming to us saying, Hey, I'm working with all these companies and they're asking me to work with some of their uh, you know, high potential emerging leaders, man. Yeah, same story. And we went, geez, there there's something right here. there. There yeah. is a massive need for this. Yeah. So uh about a year ago, we decided we need to address this. And we took our incredible coaches that are incredible at what they do, we put them onto a piece of software, and then we go into organizations and say, give your people access to incredible high-level coaching at a reasonable monthly investment. They will absolutely perform better for you, and they will enjoy the fact that this is someone outside of the organization, so it's a safe, confidential conversation, and it's someone that they choose, meaning I want to work with someone that looks like me or has experiences like me or someone that understands my industry or someone that just looks like a friendly person that I'd like to confide in or someone that has a hobby of mine. Whatever the reason is, it's someone that they're able to open up and confide in, which, as you know, makes for a much better coaching experience. So, that should set the table yeah, for so kind of <laughs> my backstory and and yeah. and what I'm up to. Yeah.
1: It's exciting. And so many uh different aspects of your career lead to this opportunity. So when I get to decide on Mentum, who I, I do get to decide, right? I'm the employee mm-hmm. and I have I'm showing potential and, and the team that's leading me says, hey, we'd like to provide you this opportunity they're not picking my mentor for me necessarily. I get to choose Correct. my, my coach. Yep. I love that.
0: Yeah, and the, again, the, the two big reasons for that, and, and we get pushback, okay? We, we get companies uh, that say, I want to pick the coaches. And we really don't like that. The other thing that we hear a lot is, well, I want to know what's going on in those sessions. Another thing we hear often is, well, what if they just talk about personal stuff the entire time? So the reality is, is if you want to spy on your employees, we're not a good fit for you. If you are concerned about them spending some or all of their coaching time talking about personal issues, you're also not a good fit for us because a smart business owner, a smart CEO understands that personal and professional all blend together. And if there are personal issues that we're navigating, we can't focus at work. Correct. And if we can't focus and we can't engage, we absolutely will not perform. And that's the, I mean, that's the big issue. You know, you hear all these buzzwords, quiet, quitting, and this and that. And at the end of the day, the the crisis we have right now in this country is around engagement. It's an engagement crisis. Mm -hmm. Engagement is at a historic low. People are not engaged in work. And if you're not engaged-
1: Or their own lives, often.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And and so that, so I say all that to say that who cares what someone is talking to a coach about? The point is, there are issues, challenges, roadblocks, impediments that are preventing someone from operating at 100% capacity. They're not engaged for whatever reason. Until they solve that, they can't perform. And and if it's, especially on the personal side, if someone's going through a tough breakup, or they just moved to a new city and they're experiencing a lot of loneliness, or uh, they're dealing with an aging parent who's having health issues, those issues are preventing them from being able to focus at work. You're not getting the best of them. So until they're able to talk to someone, they can't perform. And and most importantly, these are issues that someone typically will not, rarely will, bring to their employer.
1: And if they do, employers often aren't really on the uh, very receptive end of trying to help them navigate that. Sure. Because it feels like it's out of context for what they're doing. However, say a company does provide the services through Mentum, and I, regardless of what I'm talking to my coach about, if I know that my employer cares about me and my coach is helping me be a better version of myself, then, then that loyalty factor, that opportunity to say, I, I want to stay with company XYZ because they've, they've invested in me
0: yeah. and
1: I, I'm, I'm getting a handle on the things that I need to handle.
0: Yeah. And, and, and by no means am I going to tell you that what we do or what anyone else does is going to solve every problem. Right. But, you know, we look at things in terms of you want to attract the right people. Yep. You want to keep them longer. You want them to be very engaged and you want them to perform at a high level. And we feel that if you're providing executive coaching to someone, they're more likely to want to work there. They're going to probably stay longer because your competitor may not offer that to them. They're going to be more engaged in what they do because they have a development opportunity that is all about them, which is the, the important thing here. And then they're ultimately going to perform better because they are more engaged. And that's a big thing. So, you know, one of my big pet peeves is there is an incredible amount of time and money that's wasted on learning and development. Most of it's, it's very nice and it's better than nothing. But at the end of the day, I look at learning and development and I say there, there's only one reason to do it which is you want to change people's behavior. You want them to do better. You want them to learn. You want them to create a new habit. You want them to solve a problem better. Well, if you're not changing someone's behavior, then what is the point? Well, there is no point. You're just wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting their time. They know it. You know, so a lot of this stuff, especially large companies, they just throw this stuff. I I use the analogy of like throwing a life raft at them. Like, oh, here you go.
1: The, the one-time thing. Hey, come yeah. to this lunch and learn or come to yeah. this webinar. It, it, it's or not effective. It
0: and they, they don't pay attention. And, and, and here's the thing. I mean, think about this. You now have virtually all of us. I, I say younger people, but really all of us. We're now using products that are based around us. So Netflix has our list. It has mm-hmm. our recommendations. And we choose on Facebook or Instagram, on Twitter, who we want to follow, who we want to engage with. We're in control of all these things. And it's all about us and we can customize our own experience. So from a learning and development standpoint, what do you think is going to happen if that same person that can customize everything else in their life from a content standpoint, you're giving them something that is not specific to them. Mm -hmm. It's not even specific to your industry. It's just cookie cutter stuff. It's not going to be effective because they are not going to be able to connect with it because it's not about them. That's why one-on-one coaching it's all about them it's their issues it's their problems it's their opportunities the engagement level and the impact is far greater the other thing too with you know kind of the cookie cutter learning development stuff is and I, I just posted about this this week on linkedin you do a search on google of how to be a good leader there's billions of pieces of content that are all free and in the public domain and you go on youtube and there's 326 million videos and these are great TED Talks, their Harvard courses, their MIT courses that are for free in the public domain. So why do you, I mean, if someone wants to learn, they'll be able to learn. If you're going to provide learning and development, it's got to be specific to them, and it's going to be very, very deep and meaningful. It just can't be more content that already exists.
1: And continuous. Absolutely. Right. It's, again, it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's holding somebody accountable mm-hmm. and, again, very personal for them, whatever that is, whether it's business related or it's home or a combination of. And how long has Mentum been around? A little over a year?
0: Yeah, we, I mean, this, this hit our radar a year ago, which was, you know, this problem inside of companies. And so built the MVP from a software standpoint. Uh, we already had the relationship with the incredible yeah, coaches. They had said. already been vetted and we had a great relationship with them. And yeah. So we're, we're off and running and I mean, it's, it's been very well received. Um, I knock on wood, uh, everyone that's joined the platform, every organization is still with us. So they're great. happy. Yeah. Uh, they're along for the journey. You know, it's, it's funny because sometimes we tend to want to act like we've been around forever and, Oh, you know, we're great. And we have everything figured out and you want to look like a really big company. And I've listened to some Really smart, successful entrepreneurs here locally that have said some variation of, you know, when we started this business or we built this software, we were very open and transparent with our initial customers. I
1: appreciate that. That
0: they were an initial customer. <laughs> and they love that. Yep. And they gave us feedback. And they would never cancel that relationship or stop using us because they felt a loyalty to us and they wanted to be along for the journey. So I've really embraced that. And everyone we work with knows the story. They know what we're trying to build. They know that they're not going to be blown away by our technology, but we're not a tech-driven company. We're a people-driven company that uses software. Yeah. So just we've had some great conversations and great relationships with the organizations we're, we're working with. But that's... I'm glad I heard that a number of times from some really smart, successful people because I've taken it to heart and it's absolutely been the right decision mm-hmm. and, and really listening to those organizations. What do you like? What don't you like? What do you want us to do? What's on the punch list? And then they take, you know, they feel like they're part of the team where they're helping drive what the future of our platform yeah. looks like.
1: Good. Talk to us a little bit more about the coaches. So you said you had a, a pool originally of about 1,500. Now you, you've narrowed it down to 75 vetted coaches. Are you growing? And then who is a good fit? Are these folks who only work for Mentum or do they have practices on their own? Tell us a little bit about the coach.
0: Yes. They all, they all have private practices. They coach for a living, but our coaches look a little different than maybe other platforms um, or, or the coach that you may have in mind or a coach that you've worked with in the past. Um, there, there's a couple of things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. And, and the first one's a little silly, but I mean it when I say it. They're really nice people. They are just...
1: Why is that silly?
0: Well, It <laughs> sounds
1: it's, pretty it's, paramount to me. It,
0: yeah. And I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it, I, I put it on the website and then it's like, yeah, should we put that on? Well, it's the truth. And they're just nice people. They're just really, really rock well, no solid no one wants to go get coached beings.
1: by the asshole.
0: Yep, and, and, <laughs> and they're not, they're, there's no ego. They're not a jerk. They, um, you know, don't have this inflated view of themselves. They're just really good people. They have a passion for coaching. So they got into coaching for the right reasons. It wasn't, oh, well, I'm laid off and I don't know what to do. So I'll go spend mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks getting a coaching certification and call myself a coach. Right. These are people that have been in the C-suite, They've run organizations. They've led teams. They've been in the trenches. They have wins. They have great experiences. So very, very high level, but they have a passion for coaching. They love helping people and they've been doing it in their entire career, even if they're quote unquote new to coaching. The last thing that's important too, and this, there's a lot of people and a lot of philosophy out there around what coaching is and isn't. And and I think that coaching, mentorship, they mean different things to different people. There's different ways to go about them. There's absolutely no right or wrong. I will tell you that our philosophy and the philosophy of our coaches and what we know that the organizations we work with want is what I would call very action-oriented coaching, meaning I'm not going to spend an hour asking you, how do you feel? Why do you feel that way? Why do you think you feel that way? Why do you think that you feel that you think that you know? And we do that for an hour, and it's okay. Session's up. Uh, it's very driven on. Okay, these are the things that you said you were going to do. Did you do them? Yeah. If not, why? Okay. And
1: what's your next deadline? And what's your
0: ne- <laughs> And what are the things you're going to do between now and the next time we talk? Right. And those that happens at the tail end of the the session. The primary purpose of the session is not for the coach to pontificate. It's not to tell the same stories and the anecdotes over and over again. It's to look at the person they're coaching and go, how can I help you today? Mm-hmm. What's on your mind? What's keeping you up at night? What decisions do you have to make? Uh, you know, and, and, and really figuring out those issues. So it's all about them. But yeah, we're, we're very proud of the quality of the coaches. And, and that's tough to convey. You can put it on a website. You can tell it over and over again. But at the end of the day, it's, it, it can be challenging. So we just from a marketing branding website standpoint, we do everything we can to really show those men and women off because they're incredible. Here are their experiences. Here's their professionalism. Here's the wins they've experienced. And then inside the software, we're continuing to find ways to, to really highlight what they do. What, you know, And and, and personally and professionally. So what are your hobbies? What are your accomplishments? Let's see the bio. Let's see the LinkedIn page. You know, let's have a big friendly picture so people can see how warm Mm -hmm. and and, and friendly you are. Links to your social media. Just anything we can do to say these people are incredible and your team will absolutely benefit from being around them and, and working with them each month.
1: And are you looking to add more coaches?
0: We are. Yeah. yeah. So we have about 75 on the platform. We have another, I would say, 75 or so queued up. We did not put them on the platform because we didn't want people to get angry if there weren't opportunities for them. So we said, OK, hold off. Um, Smart. But we're always looking uh, for people. And uh, proactively, I mean, it, you know, any, anytime someone, one of our coaches or an organization we work with says, hey, I, there's someone I'd like you to connect We'll spend a half hour with them. We'll get to know them. We'll have them submit, you know, we don't call it an application, but submit their information. Sure. And we cross-reference a number of different things. And, and, and a lot of it's just gut feel. I mean, we just know who is a fit for the organizations we're working with and, and who isn't. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. What is a coaching culture? Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
0: Great question. So in very, very simplistic terms, what we found was there's something very specific that all companies want. They want results. Now, results are different to every organization. Sometimes it's based on sales. Sometimes a, a nonprofit may say it's based on meals served, or a membership community may say it's based on members. So everyone has different metrics. But at the end of the day, every organization that we're working with is like, well, here's how we measure success, and we're trying to grow those numbers, mm-hmm. right? We want to impact more people, sell more widgets, feed more people, whatever whatever it is that we do, Okay that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is, well, what do high performing people want? Yes, they want money. Yes, they want to do meaningful work. But what we have found is that they want to get better. They want to develop. So the coaching culture is the marriage of those two things. Meaning you want people to perform better. People want to get better. So what is the best way for both sides to get what they want? Mm -hmm. It's through a ton of one-on-one coaching conversations. It's not a motivational speaker, it's not training and onboarding, it's not all reading a book and discussing it, it's deep one-on-one work, because I hate to say this to all my fellow entrepreneurs out there, but your team doesn't really care about you and your family or the company, they care about themselves, and that's perfectly okay. We're all selfish. We're all first and foremost, loyal to ourselves, our family, the people that are important to us and what we're trying to accomplish. So I see many companies bend over backwards, trying to get their people to care about those things. And not that you can't love the culture of your company and take pride in what you do. And But the best way to get people to perform at a very, very high level, which allows you to achieve the business results you want, is by helping them be motivated themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? So what matters to you? What's important to you? Where do you want to go? How, I mean, how many companies out there don't discuss their personal and professional future with their team? How many don't do deep development? So I say all that to say that a coaching culture is really driving performance and we drive performance one-on-one and it's tough. You know, it'd be a lot easier to bring in a speaker or bring in online education or, hey, we have a great two-week training program to kick off your employment here, and okay, we're done. Well, now then you go. think you're
1: checking the box, and, well, and that's that, what, there isn't any process. That's what most
0: of this is. It's checking a box.
1: So in comparison, I think it's important to point out that some of these potential C-level executive leaders who are now middle managers, whatever, they if they're aggressive and they are in personal development and they have a growth mindset, they are likely seeking a coach on their own and paying for it. Mm-hmm. and and doing what they can to grow. But that's the one-off. So what you're really talking about is a culture within an organization that supports growth and personal and professional development. The culture becomes, look, we care about you, we care about us, and we want to lift everybody up uh, as we look to achieve these goals and and make these accomplishments. And so now the conversations, don't they start to become a little bit different? Because, uh, you know, hey, Are you using Mentum? I'm guessing that's probably how the conversation goes. Hey, I was talking to my coach and X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah, you got a coach. Who's your coach? Uh, It's so-and-so through Mentum. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet. And now now the conversations are rich and engaging around how are we all individually benefiting from these experiences and sharing that across the water cooler, across the, the conversation, the parking lot, because everybody is being challenged to be a better version of themselves.
0: And I'll I'll add to that, what happens is, you know, most organizations, let's say you have 100 employees, you're not bringing in coaching for all 100. What you're doing, though, is you're investing in those key people that are in a position of management. Right. Well, Karen, what do you think happens when you receive great coaching every month? You learn a coaching framework. You learn the value of coaching. Now you have eight people that work for you that are on your team. And instead of having those stupid, boring, pointless management conversations where we're reviewing numbers, you're now a coach, not just a manager.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, what do you think those eight people on your team want? They want to get better. They want to have a manager that cares about them, that's helping them achieve their personal and professional goals, that's being more of a mentor and less of a boss. So by providing key people inside an organization with coaching, they then learn that framework to be able to do the same for the people they manage. Because most managers out there are not good at being a manager. They were a fantastic salesperson. They were accidental managers. They got promoted because (laughs) we're growing like crazy or their manager left or whatever the case is. They got thrown into that role and they've had no formal leadership training. So the coaching that they're receiving allows them to understand what coaching is and then be able to do that for their team.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. How does a company get connected with Mentum and, and get started? What does that look like?
0: So the first thing we do, and this is, maybe this is a horrible idea from a business development standpoint, but it works well for us. So we continue to do it. Uh, we, we give a company some homework. And what that homework is, is they need to distribute, an engagement assessment to their people. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason. So we get introduced to a company and we meet with that company. And we sit there with the founder of the company who's grown it and they tell us how they started in their garage and now they have 80 people and they're killing it and everything's great and they're having some pain points. And so we ask questions and we ask them about, you know, their team and their key leaders. And all of that discovery is great. And it's better than nothing. But at the end of the day, do we really know what's going on? Does that person we're talking to really know what's in the head and the hearts of their 80 employees? Probably not. So the conversation we're having is okay. And maybe we can sell them on the idea of coaching, but we kind of hate doing that. What we like is we like them taking that engagement assessment, having all their people do it, We have 25 data points that we measure, and then we can have a real conversation. So that's the first thing we do. And I mean, if we don't end up working together, it's still of tremendous value to the organization because Mm -hmm. they're learning insights that they have no idea about. And some of it may be confirming what they already know. Some of it may be shocking. But who wouldn't want to know what percentage of their team is thinking about leaving over the next 12 Mm -hmm. months? Who wouldn't want to know how their culture is being perceived? Or How valued the managers inside the organization are, or if they would actually recommend the organization to their friends and family. So, we provide all that, and that leads to a much better conversation. So, long winded uh, way of saying the first thing we do anytime we talk to an organization is we have their team take that engagement assessment so that we can have a very, very deep conversation. We can provide them with a great deal of insights. Obviously, we're going to give them recommendations based on our experience. You know, my partner and I have both spent decades in the learning and development, leadership development space. So if nothing else, we'll probably give you a few good ideas, hopefully. And then obviously, there's probably going to be an opportunity for something that we do. And we'll make that recommendation and they can say yes or no. But that's that's our process. And it it all starts with that engagement assessment because- It will tell the owner, CEO, founder of the company so many things that they're just not aware of. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're aware of it when you have 12 employees and you can look out your window and see everything and you know their spouse's names and you know their pet's names and you know everything about them and you have your hand on the pulse of things. There just gets to be a point where that's no longer feasible. And some of it's just because of remote work. Some of it's because of the size of the organization, right? But you just get to a point where, yeah, I, I really don't know what's going on here. I think I know. And I hear what people say to me and what they tell me when I'm around. I hope but I, it's true. Yeah, I hope it's true. <laughs> but you just don't know. And so we, we love doing that. And, and again, it leads to some really, really good conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. So uh, are there any industries or verticals that you're looking to have more introductions to because you know that this is a good fit? Or, and maybe it's not industry specific. You're, uh, clearly, you're agnostic. But who can we help get you in front of?
0: So it is completely dependent on the personality of the leader of the organization, mm-hmm. meaning they have to see value in coaching. Mm-hmm. They have to really genuinely care about their people not just check a box, but I actually want them to get better. They have to be willing to relinquish control, meaning other people are going to be talking to your team yeah. and they're going to be talking about things that you're absolutely not going to be privy to. And we are not going to report back to you exactly what was said. Right. And you have to be okay with that. So I'm sure that that eliminates 50, 60, 80% of the CEOs out there Mm -hmm. because most of them are not receptive to coaching and most of you, right? I mean, so, you know, so we're, so it's a little, I won't say it's a needle in a haystack. That's a little dramatic, but you know, it's really a certain personality of leader Mm -hmm. that is a good fit for us.
1: And I'm thinking, correct me if I'm wrong, I've noticed that COVID has opened the, the gate a little bit more or the threshold for more leaders and business owners taking a look at how they're leading, their capacity to lead, and their own awareness around professional development and where there are blind spots. And so I'm I, what I've experienced just in the conversations we've had here and the executive leaders that I coach, folks are saying, I think I've been doing it wrong, or I know there's a better way to do this. I just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so Mentum gets to come in and, and help support that.
0: Yeah, and, and step one is that Person that you're describing, they have to get it. Mm-hmm. They have to see value in coaching. They have to receive coaching. Yes. So all of that has to happen.
1: And I believe it, I guess my point yes. is I see, and are you, I'm seeing Absolutely. more and more leaders saying, okay, there is a better way now, to do this.
0: Yes. Now the next stage is they have to say, I want to provide this for my team. The issue we run into often is. I have an executive coach as the CEO of the company and she's not cheap. She's really, really good, but she's not cheap and she's really, really busy. So she doesn't have the time to coach my 15 department heads. Mm -hmm. And even if she had the time, I can't afford her. And so it kind of ends there. Mm -hmm. So what we have to do, why I'm sitting here today, why I will speak and do workshops and do engagement assessments till I'm blue in the face is because we have to tell our story that hey you actually can provide incredible executive coaching to key people inside your organization at a very very affordable investment. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's $250 a month. Mm-hmm. It's it's nothing. So per
1: employee, per, employee mm-hmm. per month.
0: So, you know, you're paying someone a nice salary. That salary's probably gone up over the past few years. Yeah. And How do I protect that investment? How do I get the most out of that investment? I mean, what we're saying is for $3,000 a year, you can get that person that's making six figures perform better. Oh, and it's not just them that's going to perform better. You're teaching them a coaching framework so they can get the best out of the six people that they manage. So the effect of it relative to the investment, I mean, it's, it's nothing.
1: There's a ripple effect. But
0: we have to tell that story because people are not Googling us or something like us
1: and And yet, I know they're looking, yeah <laughs> so yeah, but we
0: have to we have to that's that's the that's yeah. the fun game I'm playing, yeah, but that's why I'm here, and I think that you know just in terms of business development in general. Things that worked five years ago no longer work. You know, the whole, hey, I'm going to send a nice, warm, friendly message on LinkedIn explaining what I do to the right person, and they're going to respond, and we're going to have a cup of coffee. doesn't happen anymore. The emails, the LinkedIn, and I mean, I did that for years, and I met some incredible people. Yes, and it was fantastic. But COVID ruined that for everyone because it's just absolutely filled with garbage out there. Mm -hmm. So the good people that are well-intentioned and have a great product or service and are really, really nice people, they can't break through that. So you have to do there's other so things. So much other noise. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but you know, it's, it's, it's the reality is is you have to do the things that people are not willing to do. Right. And that's speak for an hour for free. It's write a book. It's get on podcast. It's get away from your computer, get out there in the community. But not everyone's willing to do that, either because of laziness or because they're afraid to, uh, or because They're so busy, they can't, you know, Mm -hmm. which we all laugh at, but, you know, for whatever reason. So I I think those of us that are willing to put in the work will be able to tell our story and be able to connect with the right people in the community.
1: Yeah. Nice segue using the word book. Talk about the book. (laughs) So we've got creating a coaching culture, why smart companies leverage one-on-one coaching and how it drives better performance. I'm sure we covered a lot of this, but talk a little bit about the book and and uh, how people get a hold of it. Who is it for?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, if you, if you want a copy of the book, I will be happy to drop one in the mail for you. So don't, please do not go onto Amazon and buy it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the digital copy and the audio copy are free on our website, mentum.com. But if, if you'd like the actual paperback, I'm, I'm happy to send it. Just Great. hit me on LinkedIn. Or, and
1: I've got a second copy. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. But the, the, the intent of the book was hyper-focused and something you can sit by the pool for an hour and read on a Saturday. So it's, it's, that, it's yep. that short book form on purpose. We could have written a long book and patted ourselves on the back, but nobody would have read it because right. people are busy. So you can knock it out in an hour, and it, it really talks about what coaching is, what a coaching culture is, how to actually coach someone, how to implement coaching inside your organization, and how to measure the ROI. And it's, it's essentially All the things
1: I'm looking for. Yeah. Or it's it's the D it's for. the DIY. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: that's really, you know, we, my partner and I were just talking about this morning, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, we do that engagement assessment for a company. And, and really there's like three paths. One is DIY. And here's the book. I mean, we've, we've given you everything you need to know to do this yourself. And we didn't hold back things. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, they can say, hey, come in and help us develop a coaching culture and teach our team how to coach. Or the yes. third thing, which we like when they do uh, and we believe is of tremendous value, is we're actually going to engage some of your coaches to work with our team and then have them coach the people underneath them. So, but the the book is intended for you to be able to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. we're really proud of it. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's to the point, it's straightforward, it's you know, conversational and folksy. We weren't trying to jam a bunch of big fancy buzzwords in there it's just plain english and uh yeah it's been it's been really well received so far and uh, again I, everything you need to to know is in there to be able to do where you would leverage us is when you say okay well these 15 people i want to give them the best possible coaching mm-hmm. i want it to be external from the company so they can have that safe confidential conversation and and be able to take ownership over it because so i'll tell you what happens and and we work with a lot of companies that say I'm going to, I'm going to bring a coach in and maybe it's my coach Mm -hmm. to work with my people. And that that's absolutely better than nothing. So I don't want to say it's bad or it's a waste of time or anything else, but I will tell you that there are challenges with that. The two big challenges being, and this is what we hear from employees. This isn't, you know, this is absolutely what happens. First of all is I was forced to work with a coach. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would have never chose to work with him if I had a choice but this is who I was assigned. He may or may not understand my industry. We may or may not connect. It may or may not be a personality fit, but but I don't care because I'm not even going to give it a chance because I didn't get to pick it. So it's just kind of that cross my arms and and play defense. And the coaching sessions are terrible. Not only are they terrible for the employee, but they're also terrible for the coach because – the coach doesn't want to talk to somebody it's that doesn't not want talk to talk Benefiting the company.
1: Yes. And, and, and that <laughs> nobody. That, yes,
0: that often happens. And then the other piece of it is, and we see this a lot where the CEO of the company says, I've been working with Bob for 10 years now. Bob's like family to me. He is the greatest coach in the entire world. He has radically transformed me as a person and a professional. And I'm giving the gift of Bob to all of you. Well, you know what they're thinking? I can't tell this guy a damn thing because it's going to get back to the owner of the company because they're so close. So I can't go to Bob, the business coach and say, Hey, Bob, my marriage is falling apart and I haven't focused on work in a couple months. And I don't even know if I want to be here because that'll get brought Mm -hmm. back. So therefore I'm not having an open, safe, confidential dialogue. Therefore we're just kind of playing a little game right here. We're, We're surface level. So again, it's, it's not that there's no value in bringing in an external coach. It's just that there are two major issues with that, and that's why we like the idea of let your team pick who they want to work with and accept the fact that you really aren't going to know what happens in those conversations. That being said, there's two things we can do for the company to prove out the value of the coaching.
1: Yes yeah, Number that.
0: one is that engagement assess- assessment I mentioned. We do pulse checks. So the idea being is that every 90 days, we can go back and we can look at progress we've made. So, hey, you invested in coaching. Those people are coaching other people. If it's not helping with employee engagement, then that's a big problem, Mm -hmm. but it will. So we like to do those pulse checks. And where are we improving? Where are some areas that we need to continue to tweak? And that's just all a value add that we're doing for the organization. But the other piece of things is that we put it on the company to say, what are you looking for out of the coaching? Is it Selling more widgets? Is it better employee retention? Mm -hmm. Is it you want people to get along better? I mean, these are all things we hear. Hey, we just want internal communication to be better. And it's if you can help solve that. We have CEOs that say, I want half the stuff that comes to my desk to not come to my desk, meaning I just want them to talk to a coach. And when they come to me, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a couple potential solutions and let's decide it together. So, we like to measure what's important to them. And I think one of the flaws in a lot of the other coaching platforms out there, and I guess if you're selling to a big Fortune 500 company, then this stuff all sounds great. But what they do is they build all this assessment into their software. And, and, we, have, and we, we know coaching satisfaction. We know all that stuff. But who cares? And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, you brought in coaching because you wanted to achieve one or a couple performance results. Mm-hmm. So let's actually measure those. Right. And those are internal metrics to you. So it's not, oh, I want my people to you know, like their coach. I want my people to see value in the coach. That stuff's all wonderful and we can provide all that. But what I want to know is in 12 months of coaching, your 10 sales managers, did you retain them? Did they perform better? Did their teams perform better? Mm-hmm. You know, that's all that matters. And so we we put it on the employer to figure out what matters to them. And, and I think that that makes a big
1: difference. So good. Wow. Packed. Jam-packed. Lots of great stuff. I love this stuff. Of course you, know, you it's, do. It's, it's,
0: it's interesting because I, I used to think of my professional careers being like all these different random things. And then, you know. It culminates, it, it? But it it? But it all, it, all, it, it all has a very common theme, which is around this learning and development space. And you know, my, my philosophy is that any learning, any speaker, any workshop, anything should change somebody's behavior. And if it doesn't, then it didn't work. So you know, I've been around a lot of speakers over the years. And, and my whole thing with speakers is if you're not bringing in a speaker to change people's behavior then just bring in a band or a comedian
1: (laughs) and entertain them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It'll be cheaper and it'll be better fun. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, if if you're not, if if you're going to bring in a speaker to your organization that is not going to change people's behavior and and a a few days later, everybody's going to forget what the guy even talked about. Well, then what's the point? Just bring in a kick-ass local band (laughs) that can entertain everyone and they can post it on Instagram and talk about what a fun place it is to work. That'll be a lot better. But if you're going to bring in education, whether it's online, in-person, workshops, speaking, whatever it might be, how do you change people's behavior? And the other thing too is the only way that it actually sticks is if they can immediately apply it. And that's what's great about coaching Mm -hmm. is you're coaching me. We have a coaching session. You tell me some specific things I need to do. I agree on those. I go and do them, right? Or you help me navigate a conflict with a, a coworker and I go and I navigate that successfully. And I learn from that. But that idea of we set the stage for some things I have to do, I go and do them, that's growth. You lecturing me for an hour mm-hmm. doesn't stick. Yeah. I forget what you even told me a week later.
1: And the additional layer of that that Mentum coaches provide is that then we're coming back again and we're, you know, how did that go? What did you learn? Yeah. What was the impact? What could you do differently next time? And, and, what's, there's, and what's the next set of goals that you've got? And, and what are the steps to get there?
0: And there's a million studies out there. When you commit to a goal and you write it down, you're exponentially more likely to accomplish it. And if someone's going to ask you if you did it 30 days later, mm-hmm. you're exponentially more likely to accomplish it as well. So, yeah, you know, the old-fashioned goal-setting and accountability – It still works. Yeah,
1: that part hasn't gone away. No, and and we
0: we hear that a lot too. And that's, you know, organizations say to us, hey, we have a huge accountability problem. Mm -hmm. Meaning we say we're going to do things and we sit in our meetings and we say we're going to do this and we say we're going to do that. And, you know, everyone's really good at stating goals, but we're not driving execution through accountability. So that's a big piece of, not that I would want to market ourselves as being, you know, external accountability partners, but we are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess if I hear it enough, then maybe I need to tweak <laughs> some copy on our website. But I mean, that's not something that I would think to lead with. But gosh, the, the more companies I talk to, it's
1: that's what they're saying. You know,
0: that the, the two fifty a month is worth it if you can go to our key people and just drive accountability. If nothing else, just make sure they do the things they committed to doing right. and they that they committed to in our quarterly meetings or our monthly meetings or their meeting with their supervisor or, you know, we have all these great metrics that we're trying to measure each other by and we say we're going to do all these things. But if they had someone externally holding them accountable to it, there'd be a lot of value in it. Yeah. That's a big problem.
1: Yeah. Well, and when you guys are positioned to help solve. Yeah tell us again how folks can find you. You're on LinkedIn.
0: I'm on LinkedIn a lot. That's the best place to find me because, you know, my contact information's on there and you can send me a direct message if there's anything I can do to help you. I publish a lot of content that's related to this stuff. So I, you know, try once or twice a week to put something meaningful, not the fluffy stuff, but yeah. the the real meaningful stuff that, you you know, it's, you know, it's uh, meaningful if it disrupts and, and annoys certain yeah, people. So perfect. that's, and I don't, I don't mean to be I don't provocative set out to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to be provocative. I don't want to push buttons, but I know I say things that there's people that look at and, you know, they disagree with and good. good I mean, if, because well, then
1: they're not, yeah, if
0: all you're going to do is put on, you know, if all you're going to do is put common sense stuff that everyone can agree with then nobody's going to learn from that. Yeah. So I like to, you know, talk about what's wrong with L and D and how to build a coaching okay. culture. So LinkedIn's great. Tom Healy, H E A L Y. Um, if you you want a copy of the book, send me your address. If you're close enough, I'll, I'll, I'll drop it off in person. Deliver like I I, to I'm i doing a lot more in-person stuff. And I, I didn't do any in-person stuff for a few years, not yeah. just because I think Zoom created a lot of horrible habits. Yeah. And it was, oh, I can just, you know, talk to 10 people a day on Zoom and I don't have to leave. And oh yeah. this is great. But you're not building deep, meaningful relationships. Right. Uh, you often forget those conversations happened a week later. Yep. Uh, what did I talk to her about again? <laughs> so I just, I love the in-person stuff and yeah, a lot of cups of coffee, a lot of in-person meetings. Good. We have clients all over the country. We will continue to. That being said, my personal focus on scaling the business is working with local companies. Hmm. I want to work with founder-led, gritty, entrepreneurial Companies with really really nice people leading them that mm-hmm. care about their people and want to develop them and you know we can have a great conversation and, and do a lot of good for them.
1: So good. And Mentum is M E N T U M M. Yes. com. Yes. Very good. So great to Thanks get to for know you me. I'm I'm thrilled. It was just really great to meet you at the CEO retreat. Yeah. In Sedona and just quickly kind of get a feel for what you're doing yeah. and then to have a deeper dive. Uh, today was was not only meaningful, but also very inspirational and necessary. Yeah. So look we're, forward we're to, to have,
0: continuing the conversation and yeah. getting to know you better. And yeah, appreciate you having me.
1: Absolutely. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.